It's this, it's entire process. It's like how you could accomplish next, how you can long for life that we wanted, the life that we feel happy about. And then there comes another dynamic, though, and we've touched on it briefly, and that is fear. But there's always this part of us that looks for what is wrong, and that serves a function. It helps us get better to a certain point. But beyond that, it is destructive. It's what. When you know you want to really do something and you find yourself procrastinating and you can't figure out why, stop telling yourself you really want it and start looking at what are you really afraid of. Sebastian, pleasure having you in the, our podcast. Um, hey Ben, it's、uh, good to be here. Absolutely. So,、uh, Sebastian. Lot and myself included, we stand in front of the mirror and we feel stuck, overwhelmed with all that's going on with our lives. And although we have all ticks in the boxes, all right, and we say we've done everything, but we feel something is still missing, and we wish life was, was different. And you've been down that road. Could you share a bit of that experience? I'll just、uh, share my story then, right? I mean,、yes. it's see when I look back. Right in my twenties, I had all these ideas of what I wanted to accomplish. Right, six-figure job, house, family, the toys that go with it, the investments. And、um, fast forward a bit, in my late thirties, if you looked at the boxes like what you said, right, I, I, I had ticked them all. Right, I got the job, I got the house, I had the family, I had my third child on the way, and something still somehow was missing. Right, I mean, I've spent the years prior. Starting side gigs, right? Businesses, just with the idea to get financial freedom, to finally do what I wanted to do. And if I was quite honest with myself, I could have not told you what that actually was. And I've been, you know, absorbing self-development books, courses, everything, right? And again, the honest truth, I got excited about it. I got enthusiastic about it. I played around with the ideas, and a few days, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few months later. Right, it was all gone, and I was still back in this holding pattern. And <clears throat> excuse me, when it was imminent that our third child would be born, I got to the point of really wondering, "What the? Pardon、exactly. my French. Am I doing it right? Why am I not happy? I have everything I ever wanted. Why does it not feel right?" And for me, everything started to really change when I happened upon Mind Valley and a. Guided meditation by Marissa Peer, and I just went with it. And towards the end, there's a powerful exercise where you connect with your inner child, and you start telling yourself all the things you wanted to hear but didn't growing up. It's a powerful exercise I still do with most of my clients at some point because for me, wow, all of a sudden I found found myself crying like I don't remember ever cried before on my living room floor because I had gotten in touch with memories from when I was a year old. And younger, a time when I didn't have words, but all the emotions were still there, and I had locked them away. And I had become a master of locking them away. But in that moment, on the living room floor, it all came flushing back, and I realized there was that story I've had for my entire life that somehow I wasn't good enough. Somehow I had to earn the love of my parents or any anyone really. And I tell you, Ben, when I got up, I went into the bathroom and dried off my face. I looked in the mirror and I had the sense of, for the first time, I didn't just see the face that I somehow knew was supposed to be mine, right? The guy that I kind of was. No, I actually saw my face and I recognized myself. 
And I knew then, wow, this is powerful and this is what I want to do for other people. And then I stopped playing with self-development and I dove right in, right? I went into training with Marissa Peer and learned rapid transformational therapy. The advantage of that was, I mean, when you learn it, right, you get worked on yourself, right? Everybody sort of coaches themselves. And from there, to me, it wasn't about theory anymore. I absorb positive intelligence and all kinds of things and always with other coaches, always working on myself. And if you had met me two years ago or a year and a half ago, I would have told you, yeah, I got a handle on this. What I don't want you to know about me is for a better part of a year and a half of already coaching, I was still faking it because here I knew I'm enough, but here this doubt, this who am I, right? And when are they going to find out that I'm just a fake was still there. And for me, it took until earlier of this year to finally apply everything I've learned to the part in my life where I knew already before I went there, that's the part that would hurt the most. When I looked at the relationship I was in and I tried to apply everything I had to fixing finally the relationship with my wife, long story short, we didn't, we decided that we would raise our children together, but not as a couple anymore. And it was only in that process, the despair, the pain, the hurt, everything that came with it, that literally brought me down to my knees and put a choice in front of me, break and give up or find something within myself to get back up, right? And make sense out of all of that. And that's when somehow I actually connected to the part of me that always knows that was always there. And that's when I took another few deep coaching sessions and finally, finally got rid of I'm not enough. And today, I do that truly for other people. Today I can tell you, I create the space for people to remember who they truly are, because that's been my journey. It is fascinating, Sebastian. Just while you're talking, I'm thinking all of the, um, just trying to apply what you're saying in, in my own life. And I know could relate to a lot of this and, and it, it is kind of, yeah. Uh, there's some emotion in there, so <laughs> we keep this a bit. Um, so, Sebastian, so you you've got the wake up moment, and just you know, as somebody's splashing his like, now you're the guy that you're looking for, right? But if we come down to how could we create the life we we long for, and that's a process, I know. But could you just you know, go down to a bit to that. Well, that comes down to the question of what can you control in your life, right? And an easy way to look at it is there's everything outside, right? There's whether you call it God's business, the universe, whatever, right? Things just happen and everybody knows you can't control those. Well, we still have the illusion that somehow we can, right? That if we plan right, if we just apply ourselves correctly, I can control the outcome. Truth is I can control what I do. The outcome is always to a certain extent outside of my control, right? When I'm interacting with someone in a relationship, there's always this part in there. It's like, maybe I can help them change. Or maybe if I do this, they respond. Again, I can't control what another person does. So what do I have control over? Well, my own business, right? Myself. And that when you follow that, and it's sometimes a hard pill to swallow, it really comes down to 
What creates the life you're living? What creates the world you live in? I strongly believe it's the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and about the world. It's those deeply rooted beliefs about who we are and who we are not that determines how we see the world. Let me give you an example, I think a powerful one, from a client I worked with. He's an entrepreneur, successful. I mean, he had more boxes ticked than I ever did before, right? And people would tell him, and still he came and said, you know what? I wake up at night afraid that we people will find out what a fraud I really am. Because here I am giving 110% to my business, putting the, right, the, the foot to the metal, right? just going, going, going. At the same time, I see my personal life crumbling. And I don't know how to stop. I don't know why I cannot just slow down in my business. Well, we went pretty deep. And what he connected with was, as a child, he was given up for adoption. And so his story was that something was wrong with him. That's why his parents got rid of him. And so he was still trying to earn the respect, the love of his parents. right? And when you come from a place like that, deeply ingrained, but not aware of it, you can't quite figure out why are you so driven, right? Why are you constantly spinning your wheels? Seeing that was already a big part in just becoming aware of that story because then you can look at what was really going on with your parents. What is an alternative story? Things you can't do as a two-year-old child, right? But you can do now. And that opens up the space to create what you really want. That opened up the space to ask him, well, if you only had one day to work on your business, what would you do? Well, you would empower your team. You would, right, you, you get where I'm going. Yep. But that's then the practical stuff that then you can get to. And it opens up the question of, what do you want your family life to look like? Well, I want to spend time with my wife. I want to spend time with my kids. Okay, how can you do that? Well, I don't know. Well, you happen to run and own the company you work in, right? I mean, go talk to your boss who says you have to be there at 11 in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah. So once you let go or not even let go necessarily, once you become aware of the story that's really driving you, that's really creating your world, then you can take control of that story. And by taking control of that story, your whole world shifts and changes. Yeah. Um, just when you talk about, I think you, it's not, it's not, I think, as I believe I spot, as I, as, as, as I say, Sebastian, when you talk, I just, I'm kind of following that storyline and down to who you are when you're a child. And I think that shapes a lot of our personality and what we're trying to do exactly right now when we're adult. But I, th I think we fall in the trap, most of us fall in the traps. If we, if we don't pay attention and careful and start, you know, facing that reality and, you know, realizing who we are. In fact, we might be the person that we are running from. It's like, if you, if you have, a, a, it's not, it's not, I don't think there's a bad father. It's like, if you have an image of a father and then you say, oh, that wasn't really the right one for me when I was a childhood, you, you might fall in a trap and doing exactly the same mistake. Just put the example that you brought in that I, you, when you grow up in a family where parents works and then they are completely busy and then you say, oh, that's absolutely not the things that I want to do with my children. And then you're ending by doing exactly the same thing. Right. And you touch, you touch on a really good point there. And the thing is, though, it doesn't matter whether you have a traumatic childhood or really loving and caring parents, right? You, you, to your point, 
we all encounter emotional hurt growing up, right? Whether it's a mean kid that says something to you, whether it's something you didn't get, whatever, right? There's emotional hurt is part of growing up. Now, our individual circumstances vary and some, thing, some things are more traumatic than others, but we all have those wounds. You know, when you, when you hurt yourself physically, what do you do? You put a Band-Aid on it. If you break a bone, you put a cast on it. You let it heal. And once the broken bone is healed, you take the cast back off. It takes you as long as the arm was in the cast, right, to get it moving again. And then you forget about it. You move on. We, see, we don't do that with our emotional no. wounds, right? We put casts around it. We put bandages on because to our brain, emotional wounds threaten our survival, right? It's pain. And pain signals danger. So we want to try and stay away from it. So we come up with all kinds of ways to stay away from that pain, right? Um, if I've been bullied, then I will do everything to project a certain image that doesn't get me bullied anymore, right? If I've been called out for something, I'll try and avoid that for at all costs, really. It's just, the thing is, yeah. we still walk around with those bandages and with those casts on, right? Because nobody ever taught us how to take them off. And so now, the way you can see those is, do you have a critic in your head? This voice that, you know, puts yourself down, that so always criticizes others, that says, oh, if only things were different, the, the voice that says, I will be happy when? That came into your life at some point to protect you from the emotional pain, right, that we didn't want to bear. Some of the other characters sort of in, if you look at the cast inside your head, I, I like for, for business people, I like to say, you know, we all have our own inner boardroom, right? All, True. The, all the directors sitting there. There's various different characters that you can look at. They all at some way or point in your life came in to help protect you from certain things. They all have a functional role. Word gets dysfunctional though is when they take over, when the stories that they tell are the habitual stories you run your life by. Right. It's if I habitually think I'm not good enough, I'm not even going to try certain things. Actually, I'm going to sabotage myself just to make sure I don't succeed. Right. You see that in, in a lot of the successful people. And the other thing to that is <clears throat> why do famous actors, why do some of the richest people on the planet still get depressed? Because you cannot heal that with all the money and all the fame in the world. Right. If you don't connect to the part of yourself that is still there, just covered up by all those bandages and casts and all those characters and find the place where you truly, genuinely love yourself and nothing you ever do in your life will give you that feeling. I learned that the hard way. And I know a lot of people out there are still in that space of, right, why can I not be happy? Just how much well, you ask could, yourself. Yeah. Is this how much you could patch? And as you say, it's like, oh, mind is so powerful. I like what you said. Oh, mind is so powerful to just to protect mind. I'm not sure it's the protections, but just to kill that emotion and pain and say, oh, there's nothing wrong. It's, it's somewhere is so wrong. This either the environment that you are in was wrong, was a bad luck, or is it because just the other person wasn't as good, and and right. it's absolutely not us. And 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 then therefore you just go on. And you will never fix the problem, right? And how much you right. can go with a broken car. Right. And the thing, and the, the, because of how powerful the mind is and because of how powerful the words are that we use ourselves, I'm very careful to talk about problem and fixing. Because I actually believe there's fundamentally nothing wrong with you or anyone else, right? 
those voices, this looking for fault, this looking for danger, evolutionary, that makes complete sense, right? If we didn't have that in our brain, we wouldn't have survived, right? But think back to our ancestors, 99 out of 100 times when a bush brussels or leaves move, it's the wind or something else. But the one time it's a saber-toothed tiger, the ones who didn't have this voice that said, oh, there might be danger, well, didn't make it, right? So now we all have this lookout, right, this survival brain, but we don't live in a dangerous world anymore. And so this, this part of the mind just goes crazy, goes wild, looking for fault and danger everywhere. That's its job. See, danger, some of it is out there and is real. Fear is not. Fear is a construct of your mind. Right? And we'll get to that later. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with you if you have those voices. There's nothing wrong with you if you have those self-doubts, right? Evolutionary, that make complete sense. Yeah, absolutely, Sebastian. Amazing. Um, Sebastian, I went through, and we had a chat offline before in the preps to the session. You all, you referred um, a few times, like whether you can, you referred actually the quote from Henry Ford's, like whether you can't or you can't, you, you're absolutely right. It's like mm-hmm. how that applies on real lives. Well, how do I illustrate this is let's go to one of the main rules of the mind right we, we just touched on the first and most important one your mind's job is to ensure your survival of course if there's no you then there's no mind right so so everything is geared towards right ensuring your survival first and foremost um, that's about pain and pleasure and what we've already touched about and then there's a second very powerful rule that if you had a manual to your mind right would be right there and what probably help you make a lot of sense out of what's been going on in your life so far. And that is your mind believes and responds only to the words and the images you yourself put there. Let's do a little quick experiment and everyone listening can play along. I'm going to say a word in a moment and I want you to pay attention to what pops pops into your head. Yep. Okay. Syringe. Doctor. Yeah. Doctor, needle, all of that. Now, now here's the thing, though. Whether you saw a big one or a little one depends entirely on the words and the images you have in your brain, right? A diabetic will see something about this size, right? Tiny, nothing that even that you even barely notice because it's what allows them to eat and to survive, right? If you're into Botox, what you see is a pretty face, right? If you were an addict, which of course nobody is, right? You might see, right, your yeah. next high. Now, if you were traumatized or definitely afraid of it. Yeah, you see a syringe, you, you think doctor and everything else. If you're me, you see what they use when you go donate blood, because that's what I do on a regular basis. On the outside, the trigger was the same for everyone. But your response, right, whether you're fearful, excited, maybe even just, oh, I, don't, I can't even look at it. That entire response came from the words and the images in your mind. And what that means is, oh, I actually have a cool example from real life. Whether you think you can or you can't does depend entirely on what you tell yourself. Now, oftentimes we're not aware that there's actually a belief that we have that says we can't, right? That's the tricky part about it. You do affirmations, you tell yourself I'm great and then you wonder why does it not work when I say, right, it's up to me. Well, because it's not what you think of here. Yeah. Whether you think you can or you can't depends entirely on 
What is the blueprint deep down in your subconscious? What do you truly believe about yourself? Because that part is emotionally charged. That part is what everything gets filtered against. That is what measures whether what you're saying is true or not true to your mind, right? So it's all about what is written in there. And then you see it play out. School just started and our middle daughter finally after waiting for a year she now gets to go to school too her brother got to go last year and she thought that was the gravest injustice in the whole world right she wanted to go last year so for a year she's been waiting for school she's been excited i mean she was the first one in that building the first one out i don't have to wake her in the morning you get the picture right she's excited to sit down do her homework now after school yeah some of that will wear off i know contrast that with her brother last year at some point her brother looked at her and goes amy just shut up already. You don't want to go to school. You have to sit still all day and then you come home and you have to do stupid homework. Now, both kids are bright and smart and could learn anything they want to. But who, I mean, it's a mute point almost, right? But who do you think is more effortlessly going to learn things, right? Who's going to excel at school, even though they have pretty much the same starting point? And yeah, I've raised them <laughs> pretty much exactly. the same way, right? Whether you think you can or you can't, is always true because of the words and the images you put in your mind and because your mind cannot work against itself. If you believe you can't, your mind will give you any excuse, will come up with any reason, will come up with procrastination, will find things you have to do just to make sure that you're right. And it cuts the other way. Lie, steal, cheat your brain as long as you have to fake it till you make it and come from, I can. And if I can is too big of a step, start from, I'm making it familiar to believe something different. Right? Because that's not something your mind will object to or reject. If you want to do something new, if you want to do something different, always phrase it as, I'm making it familiar. Because that suggests to your mind that, one, we like this. Familiar is safe. Right? That's what we want. Yeah. Ensure survival. Yeah. And three, it creates the possibility of actually doing it and doesn't threaten your mind and doesn't directly attack any sort of negative beliefs you have about yourself, which is why this really, really small phrase, I'm making it familiar. And I give credit to Mercer Peer for really right, driving that. Yeah. Holds all the power to stop this fighting against yourself, struggling with yourself. Now it doesn't eradicate the negative beliefs, right? It doesn't take care of the deep work that goes with really upgrading the blueprint that's in your mind. But if you're looking for just one thing to take from this session, one thing that will help you make it a whole lot more likely that whatever you want to change can actually succeed. Remember that phrase and use it. I'm making it familiar is a powerful, powerful invitation to your mind to work together on changing something that is important to you. Makes sense, Sebastian. Yeah. So Sebastian, so we thought about uh, here a bit of a teaser, <laughs> I think, but mm -hmm. I leave it to you. Um, it's, it's entire process. It's like how you could accomplish that, how you can learn for life that we wanted the lie that we feel happy about it's like sometimes even like you know 
many times people oh do what you love love what you do and you will feel just happy but you know it, i think it's just much deeper than deeper process that you go through more than just that simple phrase mm-hmm. right so so i leave it to you so how 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 you can do that <laughs> well so let's let's look at what we've touched on today right the first part is to realize that you're always creating your life right there's whether whether what you encounter is a problem or an opportunity is entirely up to you right whether you think you can or you can't it's entirely up to you right when you look at someone and say oh man right i don't want to deal with that guy well then you have a story about that in your head and that story determines how you see the and how you view the situation it has nothing to do with the other person yeah no i don't care what they said it has nothing to do with the other person right it's all about what did you make of what they said what is your story and what is your response as much as you might resist that idea look at what power it gives you it gives you back the power to choose how you respond and how you create your life right that's why the power of stories is the first part in really really drilling down on when it comes to creating the life you want because you're always creating it you may just not be creating the life you actually want yeah. because of the stories you're not aware of when you recognize the stories and give yourself a moment to pause and just look at the story that creates the space where you can then decide how do you really want to respond okay and then there comes another dynamic though and we've touched on it briefly and that is fear but there's always this part of us that looks for what is wrong and that serves a function that helps us get better to a certain point but beyond that it is destructive it's what when you know you want to really do something and you find yourself procrastinating and you can't figure out why stop telling yourself you really want it and start looking at what are you really afraid of people said goals because that's what they want to get to to me a goal is a place to come from right if i want to be a successful entrepreneur i'm not going to say i will be i'm going to say i am and then every decision i make i look at what would a successful entrepreneur do and decide in this moment and even a successful entrepreneur is going to encounter fears and that's why my invitation to you is let's do another session right and let's really take a look at instead of setting goals how do you set your fears because no matter how committed you are what gets in the way of you actually taking action you doing the things you know you could be doing that would propel you forward right the things you really want to do and then at the end of the day you look back like why didn't i my challenge to you is that's always going to come down to one fear or another so to you and the listeners pick something that you really care about but that you've struggled to implement so far and start looking at what might you be afraid of and then how about you come back to the second episode and i can say that right and watch yes. me uh, work with ben on whatever he comes up with absolutely and give you a very powerful process to set your fears so that you can get out of your own way and actually create what you want to create absolutely sebastian i'm looking forward to the um following up session um 
and thank you so much for being with me in, in today's um, cast. I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm sure that everyone will enjoy it, watching it as well, and learn a lot of what you said, and try to reflect in what you have said, and I'm sure there's a lot of emotional moments. I had few when you were just talking, so I'm, I'm really looking for the second um, session. So thanks a lot, Sebastian, um, and see you the next one. It's been my pleasure, and I look forward to the next one. Thanks, Ben. Thanks.